This week on our SBNB Update, we poke our heads into the most recent Game Jam, where we look at Spongitui's potential cooking updates, herb sprite changes, and progress on the Damonheim archaeology dig site. Also, RuneFest is on the way, and we share our first thoughts. This is RSBNB Update, episode 975, recorded Thursday, February 29th, 2024, Jelly Jam and RuneFest. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of RSBNB Update. Tannis and I are here to deliver this podcast episode to you guys. Thanks for being here, Tannis. Thank you, Shane. You ready for this? You ready to have some fun? I'm I'm ready to uh, to jam it jam it in. Yeah, that's that's exactly jam it home. that's exactly <laughs> what we're looking at this week. The folks game jam updates. Um, but before we uh, get too far down the tracks, I'll thank our experienced tier Patreon supporters. And this week, that is Amos Reed, Andrew C, Drama Free, Jason S, Jesse W, Kesky, Ricky A, Ripeth, Runestar, and the Naked Captain. Of course, RSPNB update would not be possible without these people, and we'll hear more about our Patreon offerings a little bit later in the podcast. But in the meantime, the full show notes are available at update.show. You can also find our friends chat, which is in-game at Bits Bytes, and... Of course, we do have the Discord as well at update.show slash Discord. And you mentioned you mentioned Game Jam, uh, Game Jamming it up. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's time for that this week. The f- folks are working on Game Jam inside Jagex while we're while we were working on Double XP. Um, <laughs> so we're just going to go through some of the Game Jam updates that that have been highlighted here. Uh, starting off with uh, an update from Mod Dorn, and I don't know exactly what you're gonna, you're going to be able to um, take from this because there's a photo, and they're all very yeah. different shades of green. So I don't know how that comes out to you. It 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 not well. Um. Can you see the red ones at least on the left, like the the third and fourth row? There's some red ones on the left. Um, I mean it. It's better than yeah. I mean, it's 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 better than the others. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for for people for people wondering, uh, the red ones on the third row are Borgali, Avanto, uh, and and then Quorum there. So it's interesting how uh, the the or sorry, not 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 Borgali, Avanto, Quorum. Uh, we're galley, and then the next one below that, the really red one, is blood bloodweed. Um, and then what you see through there is a list of seed, dirty, and then clean herb. And you know, I don't know, I don't know about this. I feel like it's it's nice to have the visual distinction for it, but at the same time, we've gone you know we've gone this long with such subtle differences of of the herbs and the colorings on them that I don't necessarily know if we need something like this at this point because it's been it's been years that we've had this and it kind of works how it is right now I mean I barely knew there was a difference <laughs> um it's yeah I mean part of me thinks that it it, it could be helpful for some people but honestly 
I feel like even if, even for people that can see it, it it's subtle. It, it, I don't know. It's, yeah, because we're all going to be learning something new if and when this comes into game, right? Because right, we know and, what the herbs are and what the, we just you know have presets for the seeds and whatnot. Yeah, and I still feel like when it comes to when you're wanting things to stand out, it all it contrast is much more important than shade. Um, or that's you know, a lesson I think you, that a lot of people don't don't realize because, like, if you take a because correct me if I'm wrong on this, if we were to take this herb image and make it grayscale, you really wouldn't see much difference between these, right? Exactly. And then when you get to that, and, you know, I I feel like we don't talk about this enough. Many people might not be aware you do accessibility things in real life with, with the glasses mm-hmm. that you use. You're an ambassador for the company and whatnot. And I guess the thing to ask on this is that even for, you know, folks who, who have uh, normal vision, let's just say even corrected with glasses. Do you think that that's still true that the, that the contrast differences are more important than shade to people with normal vision? Uh, I mean, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you know, you even, even, you know, up that uh, to the next level on there and you, and you start to get a picture of just, you know, how exactly uh, things can land like that. So, um, it's an interest. It's an interesting exercise, um, to say the least, on that. And I'm actually just going to see um, briefly uh, right now if I can if I can make this um, make this image grayscale so I can illustrate here uh, what what we're saying to people who who are watching on the show because or on on YouTube rather um, because when when it comes down to it. At the end of the day, that's 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 a very important thing to uh, to talk about. I think on there. So, um, no, that's not that's not going right now. Anyways, uh, that's what happens when I try and do image editing live on air. People here, um, so I'm not too fussed either way. If you had to take a pick, would you would you take this one or not? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I would notice a tremendous difference. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I've never noticed a ton of difference with what we have now. Yeah, okay. Um, and and I actually just I, I just got it done here. I made the image black and white, and you are entirely right. That by making these things black and white, the thing that is going to stand out here, of course, is the contrast. But even then, when you do that, they still all look largely the same, even with that. So maybe you do have a point on that. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, so that's Maud Dorn's Game Jam project. And there's a there's a there's a link uh, to one of his tweets on this that shows uh, that shows the grid in question for that mod pebble is also at work she wants to make some changes to the city of yanil and in particular has been soliciting ideas but her own personal idea on this is that it's a city with a focus on flowers 
which I mean at that at the start isn't something that we you know would have immediately assumed with you know, but it's you know something I'm not necessarily opposed to either because you know you walk up, um, you walk up next to the Wizards Guild, you can definitely you can definitely see that there. So, um, I think on that one, it'd be interesting to see what kind of prototypes we have and how that looks at the end of the day. Uh, so I'm 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 fine on either of those those ones. Um, what do you think about flowers and Yanil? Yes, no. I mean, so Yanil's just gonna go woke now, huh? So so just woke Yanil, just just flowers everywhere, and and um and, and what's next? Uh, you know, um, <laughs> he's he's not being serious, people. For people who are wondering, no. <laughs> uh, no, I mean. Yanil is very nostalgic, so kid gloves probably with it. You know, that's actually um, that actually came up in the Discord too. Is that yeah? You know, it's just you know, make sure <laughs> that in doing an area like that, that you're kind of keeping in mind where it came from. So, but I'm eager to see uh, see how that looks when it arrives. Yeah, I mean the thing that's that you know, I remember in in Yanil, you know, was it was always like the sand pit, and that was where my house portal was for the longest yep. time, you know, because because that was the best place to go, and the pet store where you could go because I don't. Well, I mean, what I know you, you need were from here. the pet store. Didn't you ever? Didn't you ever have Mister Popper's penguins, where you set up a whole penguin menagerie and you have a full of, full of penguins and, but no. you got to feed the penguins and no. get them. But, oh, well, Shane. No, yeah. that, that was never a thing for me. And, yeah, because before we had like an abundance of pets. There was like a few birds, a couple dogs, a cat, right and. So maybe Yanel should have been the pet city then. Oh, Yanel could be the pet city. We could have a pet, a pet, a dog park, a pet park, and Yanel do the dog park w- with um with flowers. There we go. Okay, there's the answer on that one. All right, see, just had the brainstorm, just had to work it out there. Yeah, pet hub. <laughs> All right, let's go. Um, let's go one step further then and talk about uh, what is the biggest one uh, that has been uh, been talked about here. And this is Mod Sponge working on some ideas for the cooking skill. And of course, emphasis to note: very much a work in progress, kind of a prototype at this stage of just a general idea. And the idea would be to call it a fine dining update for cooking, where. You would be able to use the cooking skill to produce meals that in turn would take different items from the cooking skill and provide different buffs and benefits to you. Okay. Initial thoughts. Um, initial thoughts. I can see this being a inventory space saver. Um, I am not sure that that matters for the best PVMers out there. I mean, 
these these guys are doing stuff with no food and bronze armor, right? Like, well, I don't even know if that's yeah, and a and, and I mean, for them, like when but... you get down to it, if you're looking at PVM, you have of course the solid food options, which are going to be rocktail, rocktail soup, sailfish. If you really need, you know, that burst of HP. Then you have the liquid food of the Sarah brews and the Gothic brews, and then of course you have jellyfish. And I could see a combination of of those of the things that you get from those things, and you know what I mean. Maybe in a new, but I don't know. Or is does he is he going for a new food? He's those, going for yeah, you know food basic, items. Like it, it, what um, what what this looks like is a complete revamp to how you know we see and use the cooking skill. Because, you know, we need to be 100% honest out of the cooking skill, the, the only food that people really use at the end game, and the one that, you know, probably has the highest in out of the economy is, of course, fish, right? So, so I can see I can see inputs being like potions and like a base food. So you would have like a base food and then you put on your gravy or your au jus, whatever you want to, to call it, your salt. Yeah, and then uh, you know, then you can put some sprinkles on top, like some, I don't know, something like uh, like jellyfish or something, so you could get the little the adrenaline jellyfish part that sprinkles. comes from. Yeah, jellyfish sprinkles. Yeah, so let's go <laughs> through an example meal here. The meal is called uh, Fire Starter, which increases the speed at which you throw bonfire or throw logs onto a bonfire. And burning logs would grant an additional additional 10 XP on top, and it would last for 60 minutes. So the idea behind this is that you would use – and get ready for this. There's a whole flowchart here, but I'll describe it for everybody. You use uh, raw cabot and uh, ground nasturtium seeds to make a spiced beast. Then you would combine vegetables with um, moss giant moss to make a curry base. Then you get a curried beast. As in, you'd cook that and you'd have curried beast. Then you combine dough and milk to make nan, as well as butter and yanilian hopsies to make yanilian butter, which gives you yanilian nan. And then you combine that with the curried beast and you get yanilian curried uh, kebit meal, which then then can be you know combined with something like you said, maybe from something like Herblor, where he says add a dragon biter on top of that, except that's from cooking, um, where you get your uh, fire starter meal mm-hmm. and it lasts for 60 minutes and it's basically a buff well i mean basically yeah a little, very i mean that's, that's kind of what we're talking about using those different the only thing with well with that one in particular that's a very lengthy process so you want to make sure there would be a reason for doing it but to me, this is the cooking overload. This is the cooking masterwork, and I do like that idea. I yeah. think there's room for that idea, yeah. but you have to balance it between making it rewarding but not overly cumbersome, but cumbersome enough to justify the you know it being rewarding enough. Yeah. So it, it all comes down right to that balancing, but. You could do some some cool things. Does this take away from any other space, though? That's um, and you know what this is when you look at this. This is exactly this kind of reward space that Auras used to provide. Yeah, I don't know if you if you if you caught that. I yeah, 
Um, <laughs> and well, and more, right? Because I mean, yes, Erbor is in a good a good spot, you know, at, at one twenty, but we're always talking about other other things. Um, yeah. Is, and you know, and you know maybe the like, thing is maybe you make these non-tradable, right? And totally, I mean, you would make it. I I think you make it non-tradable at the point you know of the of the finished good. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. but but the stuff it takes to make it that should be tradable. Which is which is exactly how overload works. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. There's also with this, there's a differentiation um, to make the individual types of food in game is stand out more. So you'd have your standard food, which is your fish, your meats, and your soup that heal for a flat amount. They can overheal at higher tiers and range from 30 to 25% of your uh, life points per food item. And it's got the 1.8 second cooldown before you can eat the next one. Then you have pies, which are three-bite foods. They heal less than standard uh, pizzas per bite, but more per slot. And they heal 60 to 40% of your HP total. And there's a 1.2-second time on them. Pizzas, two bites, heal less per bite than standard, uh, but more than pies for 45 to 30% of your total life points per slot. And as well, have the 1.2-second time on them. Then, of course, you have the cakes and jellyfish, three bites, combo eat, um, less per bite than other foods. Then there's room for expansion here. He mentions stews, curries, sushis, and soups, which heal uh, for less initial compared to standard, but would add a heal over time for better total healing, but less immediate healing for 20 to 25% of your life points initially, then an additional 10 to 15% extra with 1.8 second cooldown. And I find this space actually the most interesting because I don't think we have many heal over times in game, but when you think about it in every other MMO or RPG kind of thing that's out there, heal over time are very, very popular. Yeah, I mean, that's your sustain, right? Like yeah. It's, yeah. So, I, I that, that's where my eyes opened with that one. Um, then you have the potatoes, which is a flat amount plus percent of players max health, which would be a food designed uh, for tanks rather than DPS, like a panic food. That's interesting to see a bit of a kind of a class thought there, I think, on that. And one in which I would have went the complete opposite direction because tanks usually use are the ones using heal over time, aren't they? I mean, it depends on the game. I've seen it. I've seen it for both. You know, like I've I've seen it. I've seen it as both. Um, though I also know, and this is an interesting thing to think of. We always say, "How many bosses do you really do you really need a tank for in RS?" Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's basically I I like Yakamaru and and AOD and one other one, and then and then that's it. 
you can of course you know do um raksha and have a tank or do something like that at solak but you're going to be better off if you just have both players doing deeps um there's yeah, also an option for game. yeah there's also an option yeah. for baked breads and gnome goods um which would heal for a flat percentage of players missing hp which would work well at low hit points but bad at high hit points and then there's just a miscellaneous category um for other um for other food uh slots as well which would you know just heal the most for one bite which would be a panic button does drain a sizable amount of adrenaline and would heal 30 to 45 percent of your hp um per slot so this is kind of the way uh mod sponge is thinking of going on this just as you know kind of categorizing food and then adding in um maybe these sorts of meals um some of the other meals that he has that are just examples important to note that these are just examples here behind him there's no you know guarantee that any of these will ever see the light of day um there's some for rune crafting he envisions which would uh make it so that when you create runes at the zmi altar it grants a certain percentage more runes and runes will be of a better quality uh there's another meal where rune creation is increased by a certain percentage point and you are then uh prevented from teleporting also prevents teleporting to the abyss and abyss then would become the best xp running um to altars and then or sorry running to altars would be for the best gp with that meal active um runes created are are consumed granting a certain amount of xp each that's an interesting one you can combine that then with the abyss one for heightened xp at no gp and with that i think you you would completely turn the idea of how you train rune crafting on its head. I was going to say, how do you feel about that, Shane? For I like planting it. soul runes. I like it. Do you? This was always well, yeah. I mean, because this was traditionally the best way to do rune crafting until the soul altar. Yeah, until um, until the ZMI altar, then then rune span, then the soul altar. You know, supplanted all that. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess fine. Although, and keep in mind, these are just like effectively back of the envelope napkin scratch marks kind of things at this point, as far as we know. I'd rather have top tier content be locked behind a skill grind than a quest, anyway. Right. So I'm cool. With How that. would you feel about it being unlocked behind cooking? And cooking moving to be kind of a supplementary kind of thing. Yeah, like no, I, I mean, that's... Because that's also what this is okay. doing, is that this is kind of treading on the identity of Herblore, making consumables for buffs. Except, this is food, whereas Herblore is potions. But we could look at it, look at it as integration of skills, and making them even more relevant, because we're able to use herbs that we gather from herb lore, that yeah. we grow with farming uh got use an herb lore to garnish our fancy dish and cooking now but we have to have all of it's almost like making an elite skill without making elite skill making elite skill rewards right 
Yeah, I see that, and I'm not sure how I feel about that now that you made that connection. Because <laughs> you know how I feel about elite skills. Yeah, but this is it. I don't know. Maybe this is a way of getting the good things. That integration part of it, but not right. And uh, I, I feel like as well, if you said, "What's the problem with cooking?" I feel like this addresses it, and that you know, the food really isn't segmented into things that you know have clear you know boundaries behind them and this could do that and there's just no reason to use anything other than fish right that's my biggest fear with with this when when i was first looking at it was the items have what it has to be relevant yeah like and that was what i'm yeah because your high tier guys they're not eating no, I'm using it. It's it's so, at most jellies and brews or gothics brews. Yeah, and so it, I think there. I mean, I think there is. I mean, there's plenty of space in the game to find different things. I think there's space in PVM too, but you need you need somebody that is yeah. an expert does yeah. it to tell you and, where that space is. And at, in terms of the know. in terms of the ingredients that he has in mind is that the ingredients um it could come from hunter so kebets payas carambon wilder pies admiral pies honeycombs um unused seeds and produce bones for broth decorations could be hunter feathers um larupia parts grackme kayat parts basilisk eyes jelly jelly from slayer I'm just picturing a certain tribe of brothers out there hunting grizzly bears. <laughs> that happened already. <laughs> I know. <laughs> or poking the jellies for the jelly jelly. Ooh. Oh, the jelly jelly. Um, brined rats. Moss giant, moss from moss giants. Fire giants could, for, for example, give liquid smoke. Ice shavings from ice giants. Raw rack. Rock crab claws from rock crabs, raw rock lobster tails from rock lobsters. Um, so, you know, when you think about that on that front, that's interesting. And, you know, we just talked about the rune crafting ones, but he also has a couple listed here for Hunter, too. Um, catching creatures with tracking would would grant a certain amount of more XP. And he says these could and probably should be buffed anyways. Mining, a dwarven casseroles. Rockertunities would appear at, a, appear at an increased rate, and hitting rockertunities grants bonus ores and XPs, and you instead would tire X percent faster, and the effects of tiring are increased. Favors active mining. Um, then there could be another one. When mining, you grow tired more slowly, but gain increased XP. XP. Rockertunities no longer appear and chance for ores to be destroyed, which would favor AFK mining, which I think is something you'd like. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm liking I'm liking all this, but something just kind of struck me and that is it's too big for Game Jam. This this is a this could be a 120 expansion to cooking. Yeah. You well, know what I mean? There's well, enough content mind, there as there mind, was with Herblore. Right. And keep in mind, though, that 
Mod Blackwitch's graphical updates started with one map square done for Game Jam, and those got taken onto the schedule <laughs> because of the, you know, just how they popped and yeah. you know, wowed the community, right? So yeah, it's going I mean, to be a, it's going to be a discussion of whether or not the players want something like this. And you bring up a good point. Might it not be better to save this for a one twenty cooking? But it, it it could be one twenty cooking, right? Like there's a lot of con. There's a lot of stuff you just routed off, right? Yeah, I didn't even I talk mean, about the fishing or the combat ones. Right. I mean, and and I think that if you looked at it. It's when they expanded farming and herbler. It's probably not. It's not that far off from that content. From no, the it's not. I was added with that. It's not. Um, I I do have a. Cons- I take it for a headliner. Okay. okay. <laughs> I take it. I mean, anything's with a headliner. Where we are, anything's a headliner at it. this point. <laughs> but uh, fisherman's feast. Chance to cause a fishing frenzy, and during this time, each click, one per X cycles will catch a fish, which favors active fishing. Combat. Fremenic Berserker Stew increases max adrenaline and reduces magic range necromancy damage by a certain amount. So, the thing I'm seeing with this, if something like this were to happen, this is taking the spot that Ori's used to take in terms of granting, you know, like a, like a buck, right? Well, yes and no. Which isn't a problem because I think we're done adding Ori's in game. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think we have Ori's coming in no. the same way anymore, but these, it's something I like about, about this in particular. It feels very targeted. I don't, you know, we we talked about if it if it's encroaching on Herblore or this or that, and I actually, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, no, this is actually really. In many ways, this could out. be this the very this could be the way to buff, you know, uh, skilling, because I, I feel yeah. like I feel like we have enough buffs on the combat side as well, and that was my other thing I wanted to talk about with this is that this opens the door again to a, another level of power creep on the combat side, which signifies that, you know, we have things like necromancy that was just designed and put out last year. We have the impending stuff that's on the beta world for the other three legacy combat styles out there. But one thing we have not heard of in any of that, yet in any of the necromancy stuff and any of the beta stuff is we haven't heard, you know, what's, what's happening with, you know, buffing, items and what's the vision for buffing combat is it really just you know take a sip of the best overload you have and call it a day or is there another reward space to lean into there that can be done with this cooking update and the thing that i'm that i'm getting to on this is that if it's going to be something other than just for skilling there needs to be a cohesive vision of what this buffing looks like on the combat side before you know you go too far down the track yeah. and you add another you know tier of power creep well i could see it being more oh effect over time right like oh yeah whatever. i mean like the food is fine i'm just thinking you know like yeah. like 
in terms of buffs that we have in game, this is another source for them to come in, in addition to invention, in addition to auras, in addition to overloads, so on and so forth. Right? So I'm just saying let's let's be careful <laughs> yeah. about this before that's done, given, you know, where we're at with necromancy and its damage potential. Are you saying that for some reason it seems like it's easier to create a buff than just to create a content that would make a buff relevant and useful? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah that's fine. Okay. Unless <laughs> Unless they're going for the necromancy approach in terms of bringing that damage floor up so that more people can do more content. And, you know, that's something we really haven't heard much of in the combat discussions on that because, you know, when, when you think about it, that has been, uh, I know it's been a, a rather sore point for a lot of people, is that there's this, uh, the attitude that we talked about with necromancy where people say, you know, that necromancy has made things too easy by raising uh, the skill floor. And the question is, you know, if you add more buffs and you further raise that skill floor, I think that's great that more people can PVM and more people can, you know, get the fun toys and whatnot. But at the end of the day, what's the strategy around that? And does cooking fit into that in a, in a nice, neat and tidy way? Yeah, well... It has, there are so many similarities. When when you think about it, there are so many similarities between the Herbaler expansion and what this cooking is yeah. and look like. I mean, hell, and, even, with the, even with the 120 farming, we got the, the food items out there to make the Primal Feast. Mm-hmm. Do you know anybody that uses those? I got some for Christmas a few years back. <laughs> but, you know, you don't use them so, because they they lower adrenaline. One, you, you use got 10,000 life points in one slot. Yeah, no, you use them to to do some stupid herbler training on double XP with some power burst. It's not some fruit that came. They actually give cooking the old... XP. The Is primal feast. XP? Yep. Level one fifteen. Oh, yeah, 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 level one fifteen yeah, yeah. cooking is needed in that you actually do need a cooking potion to make them. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think it's there, but the power creep argument, the It's a valid it's, argument, isn't it's it? It's a valid argument and because what we have is a skill that you could take to one twenty. You have a way that it's being proposed in its own way. That makes sense. The only problem we have is is we we don't necessarily need that buff space in combat. Right, but but you do, but you could do that. <laughs> but you could do that in skilling, or you could, or you go back. To what Osborne wanted to do all those years ago and do the skilling offhands, do more of them. That's another way to do this buff space. So it's a question, you know, which would people rather have? Would they rather have more skilling offhands or would they rather have it through cooking? But I feel like you get more this way because I'm not looking, I'm not, I mean, for the for the first time i'm not actually looking at what it's going to do for you as much as what i'm how i'm looking at what it could do 
for the skill. Right. Like, but maybe that's just where, maybe that's just where I am in RuneScape at this point in time where I'm like, like, keep (laughs) in mind that 120 farming was the ranch out of time, a bunch of new animals and a bunch of new trees and whatnot past 120 or past 99. And that was the 120 update. So what you have here is a bunch of new dishes to make that give buffs. And presumably what you would do then is you would package this in with maybe some sort of expansion to the cooking guild. If you were to make this part of, you know, 120 cooking. Or you just ship it on its own at, you know, high level nineties and, you know, call it a day there and you miss out on the option of going to 120. Yeah, which would be a shame, I think. Cuz this would be a good way to to do it. Yeah. And you know, the question I'd I'd like to ask, you know, Mod Sponge and other folks working on something like this is is 120 cooking in, in the cards anywhere inside Jagex with this? Or is this, you know, just something being done here at a game jam level? And and you know, that's the end of it. Because if it's if if one twenty cooking would ever be in the cards, well, this would it feels like a good addition to it. Yeah. So, uh, let us know what you think, folks. Let us know what you think. Yep. Stick a fork in it, Shane. I think that's done. That that's a good way of putting it. That's a good way of putting it. Uh, next up is uh, a, a rather simple update from Mod Foul, which is inclusivity fixes for titles. Um, specifically picking up on some of the work that was done uh, by Mod Raven to just expand uh, the options available for people who might want a gender-neutral title for a lot of the titles that already exist in-game. So the example given is that, of course, you have the Iron Man and the Iron Woman, and this is just Iron and the Iron as an example. And, of course, as we see in lots of places now, the option to actually um, just have a pronoun as your, as your title as well. So those, those are options, and I feel like this is something that can just you know, be put into game with probably um, no questions asked as well. So, Oh, interesting. I missed this on the Mod Sponge section in the news post. Um, it says uh, Spongetui has taken a moment away. <laughs> From the combat to look at the next greatest battle, cooking. Bunja <laughs> Tui. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I was just thinking of iron, iron, iron ass. Yeah, yeah. He'd be he'd he'd be good at having that iron, one. Iron yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mod Fox has the furniture uh, shark building off of some of Mod Fell's previous work. Um, which, of course, is a shark uh, as well uh, that people could just have and, I guess, have as a plushie, I guess, including uh, a variant that has the trans colors on it, too. Now, here's the one that everybody wants. From mods Kaosi, Frosh, Kitsune, Fox, and Blackwitch, there's more people on this one now. Damonheim Archaeology continues. Yeah. Let's, let's go. They've been making progress on this, including developing the mysteries, designing a relic, inputting achievements, and touching up some of the base camp snow, and lighting, and even building out a new map concept. So I think it's safe to say it's it's happening now. 
given well, the fact they're designing go. a relic and developing mysteries yeah. for it. I was do mysteries. I'm <sighs> this this is the archaeology uh little we we need a we need a little something something. We need a little dose of happy. <laughs> I I want some archaeology. Come on. And all I saw we got mysteries, to I was like, all oh, we got yeah. all we got to peek into this is a white box map with some red lighting on it. We don't have anything else to know what this is going to look like yet. Yeah. But, you know, cooking aside, this is the one I'm most excited for. Assuming it makes oh, its way into the game. This one's the one I'm, I'm the most excited for. Yeah. Because we know, you know, look how much the, the sentisted mini dig site added to the game mm-hmm. on its own. Look how much Orthan, a full dig site, added to the game on its own. I feel like Sentistin was imp- as impactful as any of the other ones that were put in. So if they you know, keep on the same track with that with Damonheim, that makes sense. And I think it makes sense that Damonheim would fit into the Zamorak um, Book of Mysteries on that. Given you know its location and the lore associated with it, so yeah, I I feel like I want it to be on the level. I mean, I know it won't probably be on this level, but I would love it to be on the level of an Orton, um, just because I love the Demonheim lore. I love. I don't know. I like the Fremenic stuff. I, I, I like Demonheim. And it's been such a mystery for such yeah, a long time. Yeah, because we time. never did get Floor 61 stuff, though I feel like some of the Floor right. 61 stuff was probably touched on in one of the Zamorak quests we did, if I remember correctly. I think I think that was the word. I'm forgetting the name of the quest, but they did, they did bring some yeah, of the stuff they wanted like to do with Floor 61 into that. Well, wasn't it like then they try to say like Floor sixty one was his headquarters, like Zamorak's hideout or Yeah, you. and that's what's under Damonheim now, of course, is Zamorak's yeah. um headquarters. Yeah. But I I don't know. I just that to me is is I mean, I know Santistan has a rich history with Zaros and all that, yeah. but this would be even I don't know. This this is on the level of like the dragon can stuff, like with Orthon. Yeah, me. yeah. My question with this is that you know most of archaeology takes place when the gods are um, still in the world, right? So my question is with this update, presumably coming out after the gods have left, of course, chronologically, will the lore associated with this? in effect, be kind of time-capsuled in the same way that City of Sintistan is a permanent time-capsule of the Elder God Wars. Because that's an interesting thing to think about, too. But that's a topic for another day with a Lore Diggers episode, I think. Yeah. Go uh, get the band back together. Yeah, we do have to do some Lore Diggers. Uh, Mod Helen has been working on organizing the uh, Wars Retreat boss portals in order to uh, provide sorting for when you attune the portals, which I think is a good thing, given how many uh, items are on that list. 
Maud Luma has been working on updating the Shooting Star D&D, um, aiming to keep the core event identity the same, but improve the systems around it by making it more reasonable to solo without impacting groups, as well as adding new locations, improving the XP and bonus XP gains, and making them more convenient to use alongside creating a shop for Stardust and new achievements to go with it. If if she's able to do this, I'd be like, I, I think it'd be great. Because this made me think back to, I, I remember back in the day watching clan chat and people would shout out a shooting star, right? Like, yeah. It'd be like, oh, world, da, 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 da. And uh, it, it's not relative enough. I mean, it's not. It's not really good enough to do now. Um, so if she could make this relevant, it would it'd be... Yeah, cool. and, and to be fair, from Fresh Start, um, you know, going back through that mid early to mid-level stuff, um, you know, even as they are now, um, I got a handful of levels off of a shooting star when those were around in Fresh Start. So let's just let's just also keep in mind that they're actually okay XP in some context, but could use some uh, care around the edges. In in those level bands, I mean, like, you know, I'm talking about back in the day, it, it was relevant. Yeah, like 40 right? to 60-ish. I mean, yeah, and we, it, you know, we were a hell of a lot lower level than we are now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, Mod Stu and Grace have done some uh, research into the previous the previously used combat jingles and Mod Grace has modernized the older MIDI jingles so that they can make a triumphant return. And Tannis, I don't have it set up so you can hear this right now, but I'm gonna play this for the for the for the people. Right on. Oh apparently that won't even play. Alright, that'll be inserted in post. You guys will you guys will hear that. Um at at around this time, one of the combat jingles, but uh, I had to listen to it uh, before the show, and, you know, I, I honestly can say I've never heard any of these noises in-game before, even the current one. So maybe that's just because I don't get combat levels too much or I have some of those settings uh, turned off uh, presently. So, But that's the game jam uh, this time around. I feel like we I feel like we had a had a good word about cooking and that's probably going to be the one that's going to elicit the, the most discussion from people while archaeology will be the most wanted one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh important to let Mod Sponge know what you think. I'm going to thank some Patreon supporters, then uh we go into the other uh big news of the week. So starting off, uh I'd like to thank Alvaro L, Amos Reed, Andrew C, Arvidzel, Chubura, Daniel W, Dominic R, Drama Free, Duramax, Free Milk, Gila Fleur, Jacob G, Jade Gizmo, Jason S, Jeebus, Jesse W, Keski, Lemon Lodge, Ling01, Luminos, Nate the Great, Parnassius, Renhawk, Ricky A, Ripith, Runestar, Samuel FL, Scott DS, Shirt Pants, Targayeen, The Naked Captain, The, da- the Dab and Goat, Tim, Tom V, Ukulele Steve, and Zant. Now, you guys voted, and our next monthly bid is going to be the introduction to PVM, where we'll be taking our guinea pig through a series 
of discussions and just effectively telling somebody about, hey, you want to get involved in PVM and you just do Slayer right now? Okay, we have some ideas for you and you're going to learn how to begin PVM specifically to a level that will be adequate to go through all of the Elder God Wars content. So that's the plan uh, for the March monthly bit. We're aiming to record that in the next week and a bit. So if you want to hear how to get into PVM or you just want a bit of a refresher on that, you can sign up at patreon.com slash rsbnb and join for as little as a dollar a month. You'll gain access to that episode when it goes live and an entire back catalog of monthly bits or bonus shows, as we call them. And with that, you also do get a mention in the show notes for your support of RSBNB Update. We then have our VIP tier for $3 a month where you receive a special VIP rank on our Discord, which includes chat channel access, a mention on the podcast at the start of the month, and high-quality stereo versions of the podcast as well. And if you want to give the ultimate gift for $5 a month, you'll receive a shout-out on the podcast each and every week and gain exclusive access to the outtakes we use to make the clip show at the end of the year. And of course, again, a big huge thank you to our experienced tier members. Uh, that tier is presently sold out, but uh, you know we are coming up to the uh, the spring mail-out on that, so maybe there might be some more spaces on that. We'll just have to wait and see. But thank you, everybody, for supporting us. It does truly mean the world to us. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks. All right. You know anybody who's itching to come back to RuneScape right now? I hear no. the crickets. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but this would have been a good... This, this would be a good deal if there was like a seasonal type event. Yeah. Maybe where you started over. Yeah. And, or, you know, got to do some things with, you know, highly juiced up XP rates. What we're talking about is, of course, a new uh, $1 membership returning offer where you get 14 days of membership as well as 24 hours of double XP to use within 30 days. There it is. What have we been telling people? What have we been saying on the show for a long time? That it was coming. We were saying that it, you were saying you got to. I was saying it's coming. Well, let's let's it's go through coming. the eligibility requirements on this because they're because they're steep. So, you this up this update this promo is available from February twenty seventh through March twenty seventh. The character must have been a member in the past. The character must not have had an active membership for the past thirty days. The character must not have been active in RuneScape for the last 30 days, and the character must not have completed the old school RuneScape tutorial. Dude. I mean, you can look at it, you can put whatever restrictions you want, but Jagex is just a tip on us right there. Alright, that's opening the door. Yeah, when you, you know, you consider that right now, one bond, I think it's like six ninety nine or whatever. That's what it costs you to get fourteen days of membership with a bond. This is one buck, one dollar. That's less than a price of coffee in this day and age. Way the fuck less. 
I don't know where you get your coffee, Shane. Well, you drink some. I like, don't. I don't. got like grit in it and shit. Like you boiling it on the stove. Like what are you doing? I like, I have fire? I have I have no idea. And I'm and I'm I mean I'm like fully aware. Like what what's what's a cup of Starbucks go for anyways? Like six seven dollars probably. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah. Yeah, something like there. that. Um, so way less than that. But so let's unpack this. I think if you're in the camp where you would pay quarterly, this is a good thing for you, and you come back. Um, I also think that this is a good thing, of course, for people who only played RuneScape 3 exclusively, but I think the two biggest categories that this is aimed for are the people who only play for key tentpole pieces of content which we have not had any of recently. And you know who else this is aimed at? Who's that? This is aimed at people who canceled over Hero Pass. Okay. I mean, uh, we can we can we can give it that. Oh, and if you want to know the corporate angle on it too, this is to this is to juice up membership numbers after the sale. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, That's the corporate angle on this. To to be expected. Um, We're not wrong. It's not wrong, is it? No, it's it's no. I mean, I think it's it, it's spot on. But what I think is interesting. What you want is them to sell that twenty four hours of double XP time a la carte to you. Oh no, that'll happen. I mean, they they've they've opened the door now, like that. That that'll happen someday. Like that, no, that the ceiling has been broken. It's that that will now probably happen someday. Like, could you imagine think, somebody going for you know two hundred mil all, and just you know saying, "Hey, I've, I'm free this weekend. Give me a twenty four hour double XP window, and you can purchase this you know every other month." Can you imagine how useful that would be to these people? Oh, I mean, I'm all for it. Like, I don't. Uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, but what I think is interesting is the timing is all off. Um, and and the reason I say that is just like you say, the people, one of the groups that is marketed towards. It, if it's being marketed towards people that come for temple content, come back and do what? Easter, apparently. Easter is March, Easter is March 31st this year. What? Like you, this is a, Hey, I think it's a good idea, but pair it with something to come back for. <laughs> come back to, I mean, <laughs> You know, presumably, we're recording this on Thursday. I mean, presumably, we'll be hearing about the combat beta and when that's coming in March on Friday's live stream. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you want to come back for that, I, I just don't get why you would use this at this time 
it's it's, it's obviously to juice up numbers for post sale. <laughs> That's what it's got to be about. I know, but wouldn't you think like at the end of the day, you want it to be effective, and you have no idea I mean, how many is... times people you know pay month to month or um yeah. pay quarterly, it and then just like go on the blowing your load on a on something that. You you might not get a lot of bang for your buck on this one. I don't know. I think it'll I think it'll show on on there, and I don't think we'll see a difference. I don't think we'll run into people saying, "Hey, I just came back," you know, and I I just came back under this promo. But you know, you know, my fresh start alt could get this. It hasn't logged in in thirty days. I bet that must be what they're trying. You always got to remember it's not players, it's accounts. Right. That's that's <sighs> actually a good point. My skill peer has premiere. My fresh club alt does not have members and has not logged in since Christmas. And the, the and the XP. So this is a way. Okay. So this is a way then to reactivate all those fresh start accounts. Could be. Which speaks to again them, your guys. strategy we of accounts of accounts them. over players. Yeah, accounts are players. Yeah, they are. Um, you know, most of the time it's one to one. Sometimes it's two to one. Sometimes it's eight to one. In, in the case of some people, I don't know what the most extreme variant I've ever seen was, but well, in the democratic state of Gillinor. You can buy as many one to ones as you would like. Yeah. And that's how yeah. many ones you can be. <laughs> and at right. the end of the day. But but like what's the purpose of us playing on our fresh start alts? That's the problem. That's why I say you're 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 blowing it with the timing. Like I mean I could go and I could do the, the entire Fort Four and Three quest line. And unlock all of Ford 4 and 3 in that month after a bunch of training. I could do that. But there's nothing fun. No, like there's nothing that comes from that. Know, and I'd rather no work on the skill pair if I was going to do uh, something other than my main on RS3. Exactly. So. I'm going I'm I mean, to yeah, put out a call in the community and see if, if anybody's taking advantage of this. You know, I mean, there's not even any content that you would want to bring your alts back, right? Like, there's, it's just not paired with anything. It doesn't, I don't see how it's going to be that effective. Right. And, you know, we're we're pushing into March, and then we have April, May, June, July, August for something. And then come September when we get the RuneFest announcements and you know teasing of what's ahead with that which we do have more information on with this um do you have anything else on the on this uh on this promo this dollar no, membership or should we move on to rune fest no the the feeling has been been broken the uh the, the there are cracks in the in the wall it's only a matter of time mm-hmm. before the hordes of monetization Break through, and we can buy our 
surprised. You know, that would be an interesting thing to see just how many people would seize on the ability to just buy 24 hours of DXP, right? Wait, it's coming. And ain't nobody above it. Nobody above it. Give people some inverted skill capes and watch how much money (laughs) that's. Okay, now, now, now you're stretching it. They, it would, it would be nice to come back, but apparently last time somebody asked Maud Doom about that on Twitter or whatever, um, it evoked a firestorm. Why does everything have to invoke a firestorm? I don't know. Why can't we just have nice things? RuneFest is a nice thing. That is a nice thing, but you know why? Because that is about... It's about the community, and it's about a huge morale boost, not only for the people who go there and who have never been in terms of community and meeting up with other scapers, but also every JMod I have spoken to have said that one of their favorite times of year is always RuneFest. So as happy as for players are to come to have this come back, you can bet that the J-Mods are over the moon for this. Yeah, this is... This has always been a, a dream um, to want yeah. to, you know, go this, but... Yeah, we're t- we're TBD I'm, on that still on my front um, for this year. Um, but when it when it comes down to it, it will be at the NEC in Birmingham on the 7th and 8th of September this year, but it's also being run in tandem with the Insomnia Gaming Festival, which I think was a shock to a lot of people. Yeah, because, well, and what's funny about that is, like, so many scapers are, like, scapers. And and they mentioned this on the live stream, (laughs) you know, that so many people who play RuneScape, that is their one, their only game. Yeah. I mean, Um, I'm I'm sure I would be interested in in things going on, you know, in the wider scope of gaming. Yeah. I don't know how many, I mean, look at, look at people that we talk to, look at our... Our Patreons, look at our... Um, our community you know, our is community. made up of primarily people who play RuneScape as their game. Yep. Um, there was a live stream on this with Mod Sween, Mod Doom, and Mod Mark, which, by the way, wonderful to see Mod Mark on live stream again. That was the sole purpose I watched this live stream. It's just I wanted to, you know, see Mod Mark's energy back at it, back in studio sort of thing, you know? So, I that was I didn't great. know he was still... There, yeah, he's cre- he's creative director for everything RuneScape across the, all games. I I thought they put him in a basement with a red stapler at some point, or um, we never saw him. Yeah, and I mean, like, like I think he's like a has a hilariously low number in terms of what his Jagex employee number is. So he's been there like since the beginning. Um. But it's going to be your traditional Rune Fest on Saturday. Of course, will be the panels uh, on the main stage where you'll hear from Jagex, and then they want to do something a bit different. Where on the Sunday 
they do a more Q&A style thing. They do more kind of community centric things, you know, interacting uh, with the community on Sunday for that. So um, with that, I, I want to kind of go back to the insomnia thing and talk about how the, that is. And well, before the show, I had a bit of a look at the at what the NEC in Birmingham looks like. And uh, for folks in the U.S. listening, we're talking about Birmingham, U.K., not Birmingham, Alabama. I already had to make that clear to somebody um, on the producer's no. team earlier today. I think we could all uh. guess who. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was Earth. He said, I, said it, I said it's coming uh. to Birmingham. He's like, what? Birmingham, Alabama? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Have you been there before? In Birmingham, yeah, I've been to Alabama, and that's close. That's that's close enough. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So, Insomnia started in '99 as a land party. This will be their 25th year, and the way um, the NEC looks is that there's a number of halls that are situated there. So, my sense is that within Insomnia, Jagex will have one specific hall for all things RuneFest. Would be my guess. Whereas you compare it to previous years where you had the smaller, more cozy venues in London like Tobacco Dock and Battersea. Those were smaller. Then you had 18 and 19 really big out at Farnborough. They had the entire convention center there for that. Whereas this, it looks like they'll be going for a little bit smaller than the ones at Farnborough. But they're going to have an entire hall um, probably just for just for all things RuneFest on this. And my my hunch on this as to why they're going this route is that if you can be part of a larger event like this, it also helps to offload some of the things when it comes to logistics, but also but also cost as well. So that's my hunch as to why they're doing it this way for the first one back. Maybe too, they're hoping that like somebody wanders down the hall from the larger game, and they're like. Oh, that's not going to happen that way. Game. That doesn't. That's not going to happen that way. Um, you have no. to specifically uh, buy bummer. a RuneFest ticket, okay. and that gets you into RuneFest and Insomnia. But if you just are there for Insomnia, you can't go to RuneFest without getting a RuneFest ticket. Okay. So, oh. everybody who wants to go to Insomnia and has RuneFest tickets will be able to do that, but not the other way around. Let's see. Okay. But um, they they said that the Old School's uh, Summer Summit will be held at RuneFest. So Old School Roadmap confirmed for that. <laughs> What's the roadmap? And once again, once again, radio silence on the RS3 front. But presumably, you know, we'll be seeing demos of some content at RuneFest. Hey, Mod Mark's back. Maybe we'll hear about things that we might get in 2034. I mean, you're talking about the Church of You, aren't you? Uh, I sure am. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> yeah, and that'll be the that'll be the interesting thing, I think, on this. You know, just looking at this from a meta level on the RS3 front, is the RS3 team going to go? A hundred percent, you know, inspirational and above the 
above the top and, you know, just really put on a show for this in terms of showing what an aspirational vision of RuneScape can look like heading into, dare I say it, the second half of the second or the third decade of the of the 21st century. That's crazy when you think about it. Yeah, because that's what this one is about here for this. And, you know, I think there's lots of RuneScape 3 players that, that want to hear that. But at the same time, I also know the community aspect of RuneFest, and I know it's not necessarily you know about the about the nitty gritty it's a just it's just a it's just a exercising community at that point so so i think that the that aspirational sense was it it's a hell of a lot of fun because i think runefest for the people that are there it's special for other reasons but for everyone that isn't there that was always like the you know you get you get the reveals yeah and and okay you know yeah of course i'm going to joke about the church of you i always joke about church yeah. of you i'll joke about all that stuff but yeah. i can i still remember that weekend cuz i remember watching live stream sessions like on on twitch and stuff like that whole day and so it's a I don't know it kind of it kind of brings everyone together and that stuff I think is just as is important for the viewer right because um, how do you do that the, yeah without RuneFest without you know a winter or summer summit kind of thing right mm-hmm. like what does Jagex have for RS3 that does that on its own nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's and there it's has been, been up to our communities time. to do yeah. those same sorts of you know community bonding exercises with meetups and whatnot. Like for the last few years, there's been a Clan Quest European meetup that has always happened in the summer. So that's something that you know the the folks of Clan Quest have undertaken on their own regard for that, and I'm sure smaller communities have done things like that as well, but there's nothing that, you know, has effectively been flying a Jagex flag. And, you know, without sugarcoating it, that's very important and very, very much needed at this point in time, especially for RS3, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's got to be the best thing that we hope. Out of this is that we head, as I said, into that second half of the third decade of the 21st century with a vision and an idea of where this, you know, 20 plus year old game is going to go. Because right now we don't have that vision. We haven't for, for quite some time. Yeah. Nope. The last vision I have of that is in the uh, 20th anniversary book in the last chapter, which, you know, as we know now, sadly hasn't come to fruition. So there you have it folks uh link is in the show notes at update.show uh for the full runefest rundown all right uh let's uh let's talk about some of our own things in our community the achievements this week as uh, we're rounding out double xp here uh as that is as that is ending so to start off on the 28th of february we have Sioasis with 120 cooking 
On the 27th, we had Waffens with 99 Necromancy and 99 Woodcutting. On the 26th, we had Chulbura 2 with 120 Necromancy, Jam Andy 52 with 200 mil defense, Lotsi with 99 Necromancy, Lone Phantom with 120 Cooking, Luminos with 120 Dungeoneering, Mej Quest with 99 Fletching, Yahoo with 99 Prayer. Then on the 25th, we have Lampy with 99 Defense, Mosinatha with 99 Hunter, and Woody with 120 Crafting. Then G with 120 Smithing, also on the 25th. Nice. All right. Then moving on to the 24th, we have Arcane with 120 Thieving. Arendil 120 with 120 Necromancy. Jade Gizmo with 99 Necromancy. Uh, Ketsky Rocks with 99 Necromancy. Lotsy with 99 Invention. Lord Dusty with 120 Firemaking. Uh, Nunny 01 with 99 Necromancy. Psyoasis with 120 Crafting and Divination. Uh, Legion 1943 with 99 Necromancy. Um, Skomos Deputy with 99 Dungeoneering. And that's on the 23rd. Um, Zil Zai Zai with 120 Runecrafting and Hunter. Ouch. Um, also on the 23rd, Dambridge with 99 Construction, um, Skomos Deputy with 99 Cooking and Runecrafting, and Ultra Dog 177 with 120 Slayer, and Z with 120 Crafting on 22nd. Nicely done, everyone. Nicely done. Double XP Storm yeah. is now behind us for another three months. Nice mix of uh, 99s and 120s. Yeah. You know, we're definitely seeing more 120s these days. Yeah. Mature. Both, both real and, uh, and virtual <laughs> on that. So, All right. Uh, pick of the week time. So um, back in the day, back in, I believe it was uh, 1990 or 1991, um, Star Trek The Next Generation had uh, the series' first uh, end-season cliffhanger, and it was a huge, huge uh, cliffhanger. And, of course, we're talking about the episode The Best of Both Worlds when Picard is taken by the Borg. And there's a whole, you know, backstory behind what happened with those events. So what a series of fans have done is put together something called the Wolf 359 Project. That is a fan-written book, multiple hundreds of pages, I must say, about the backstory behind this, about what happened at that battle, what happened in the immediate aftermath, and, of course, the reverberations that it had throughout the institutions following it. So it's definitely, I'm going to say this is definitely beta canon on this because nothing here is 100% canon, but for anybody who's interested to see what something like that might have looked like if you are interested in this sort of Star Trek thing. This is definitely something uh, to have a look at and, and read through. 
And they call it um, the oral history of the Battle of Bull 359 because what they have is a series of fictitious interviews with folks who were there. So they, of course, have the usual people. They have people that you will have heard in other Star Trek series and whatnot. And it kind of paints a picture about what was happening with that. So if you're at all interested in Star Trek, if you're all at all interested in the Borg or what happened with that episode, The Best of Both Worlds, this is probably something you should uh, head on over and have a look at. You can find it at wolf359project.com. Uh, and, you know, you're probably wondering how much does this cost? The book is 100% free. It's 100% free. It's a 491-page PDF. 491 pages. Seems like it, that's a lot, huh? Yeah, it is. <laughs> this sounds awesome, though. And, I mean, it's the Borg, right? Like, such a, not just the next gen, but plays plays a role in Picard. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, you exactly. Because, you know, there's this whole, there's this whole thought in the canon that it was this event that really started you know militarizing things right and that's kind of what led to mm-hmm. what we see in you know deep space nine and whatnot like mm-hmm. that so you start painting that picture and you can you know kind of get an idea of what was happening with that and if you you know want to really dive into this you can do that and they have all sorts of timelines with this and there's even some you know picture formats too like artistic renditions of it um Interestingly enough, one of the people who did the renders uh, for this actually worked and did some of the promotional work for Star Trek Picard, believe it or not, uh, for season three, the Starship renders and whatnot, and is very active in the Star Trek online community. And you can actually tell that some of the models used in the renders to create the pictures for this book are actually the Star Trek online models. So um, a a very interesting uh, project. Nonetheless, and if you're all at all interested in Star Trek, you should definitely uh, check this out. I don't know if you have any – do you have any specific way where you can um, open up a PDF and have it read to you? I have to think about it. There's nothing that's coming to me right now. Um, because that would be your only way of going about this, I think. There's no like dedicated audiobook, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I would I would have to figure out a way to to do it, but it could be done. I mean, um, I could you could I could do something as simple as just having voiceover on um, when it comes to my phone. Yeah, and download it to that. So yeah. there are plenty of ways to to do it. I just have to decide which one more comfortable. Yeah, and apparently these people are also working on stuff for the Dominion War from Deep Space Nine. And a history of the galaxy class as well. So this is just their first uh, foray and into I this. Know, I want to know that too. I want to. This sounds. That's a. That's a good pick, Shane. Yeah, I'm wondering if they're ever gonna, you know, like take it to that next level and actually get it, like actually uh, self-published and printed, or if there'd be issues doing that, given the, you know, the Star Trek nature with. Uh, with CBS because ever... because it hasn't been blessed by yeah. CBS, so it could be difficult in that regard. However, yeah, if that's who owns the IP, then I'm sure. Um, that's all right. Yeah, 
If you're at all interested, bull359project.com. What have you been up to on RS? Um, oh, finish double XP up. Yeah. Just, you know, doing that. The hangover after that? Doing, yeah, doing a little bit of, uh, the fletching did not, um, take all that long. So, uh, finished up with good old gathering and just, you know, was working on wood cutting. Yeah. Um, We'll get that 120 one of these days, man. It's a slow one. Oh, I know. Like, I found the best way to do um, woodcutting was just to go in and do the dailies at the arc. I, yeah, I felt like that was I my best even, bet. And, and that's when that was the best, you know, per hour. And I don't even know if it's still holding up now. Or I mean, not. I think Elders comes out ahead now, honestly. That's based based on how the woodcutting yeah. update went. But yeah, I mean, I it's still thinking. competitive. If you if you want something that's largely AFK, and you could just go there and you know grab. Mm-hmm. So, um, best of luck to you on that. And I mean, the question is, you know, like why, why, and and see, this is the thing. Like, why do woodcutting? Right. Same reason I've done any of the others. You know, like I look at. Real versus not real. There, there is no real versus not real to me when it comes right. to 120 skills. There right. is skills that have content to 120, but it's kind of like it's like saying wrestling ain't real. <laughs> maybe you know where, maybe they know where they're going, but those injuries are real. Yeah, <laughs> it hurts. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, you know, it's the amount of time you want to kind of sink into that too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, so you're going to continue on the fletching then and, you know, gradually get there to 120? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll collect s- supplies, you know, um, in between, basically in between woodcutting and then that, you know, there was I, – I did a few – double xps that i worked on prayer right until I run out of run out of money and um and then i'd have to wait till the next double xp right so i imagine fletching is going to be a little bit like that yeah that's fair enough it's fair enough yeah pr- i think prayer was prayer was my second 120 behind invention oh wow wow yeah. that's expensive <laughs> it sure was and you know what the you know what the interesting thing about that is is that I'm sitting here and I look at my um at my at my skill list and you know I, I already the last one I did was fire making I already had wood cutting and I thought I'm gonna go in the order in which I got my 99s and that so happens that the next two 120s for me then would be fletching and divination. So I could be on that fletching path too, but I, you know, again, have that same sort of thing is that, you know, should I go for the 120s, even if they're virtual or should I wait to see if there's ever like real content behind it? Right. I, yeah. and, and that's like, there's just the consistent struggle for me. I don't, I don't necessarily know why I feel that way. I feel like if I could um, come to a, a realization on that, I'd be better able to determine whether or not that was something I wanted to do. Anything else Fair this enough. week for you? 
Oh, no, that that pretty much wraps it up. Yeah. Okay, good. Um I uh I didn't do much uh, double XPing uh since we last spoke, since we last did the round table, since last week's podcast. But I did I did I did continue the Raziel killing. And it's gotten to a point where I had to run the numbers because I because I've crossed over 850 kills at this point. Oh. Based on the drops rates for the weapons and the armor in terms of how all that wor- works, mm-hmm. there is a 97.9% chance that I should have gotten something by now. Well, then I think it's obvious they're 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 holding you back. It's the Cambridge bomb. Yeah, that's got to be it, and right? And, and yes, be. yes, I know how RNG works. I could go another thousand kills and not get anything. I'm not guaranteed to get anything along the way. But boy, this has to be the biggest dry streak that I have ever had in game. <laughs> and of course, it just has to be the first one that I start counting for. But <laughs> I'm getting really good with that living death rotation. I do have to say. Oh, well, very nice. Yeah. Um, but, but aside from that, uh, just, uh, been on old school, we had Defender of Iraq last week, so we did that, we did a bit of a compare and contrast with the Defender of Iraq that was shipped in, uh, RS3 and what was old school back in the day, I guess you could say, compared to what we got now, so it was a, it was an interesting thing to see, and, uh, right now the quest requirement grind continues, presently grinding agility over there for well Gothic Sleeps, because I want to be able to to do that one on launch week as well, which requires 66 agility, level 59 presently. Very cool. So that's what I've been up to in all things RuneScape this week. I don't know that there's anything else uh, left for us to say, but we'll be back next week for another episode of Update. Subscribe on all your favorite podcast listeners out there. We're on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Pocket Cast, and more. Just visit update.show slash subscribe. And we're also on YouTube at youtube.com slash rsbnb. Do do, uh, like and subscribe. Greatly helps the channel out. And with that being said, we'll see you guys next week for another episode of RSBNB Update. See ya.